Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. It's lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in to the West of the Rest podcast. It is Monday, September 12th, and we're here to kick off your week like we do every week with another episode on West Coast recruiting. I am Blair Angulo, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Brandon Huffman, the national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports. Brandon, what's up? Week two of the college football season is done. I am having a better weekend than Scott Frost is. NFL started yesterday, Monday Night Football tonight. We get to see Bronco Nation ride in Seattle. Not that I care about either teams. I mean, this is what we build all offseason for, Blair. It's people think we we only care about signing day, both of them. We care about the camp. No, we care about that weekend where you've got high school, college, and NFL, and we got all three. We have survived the offseason. Yeah, we we build towards this. And and it's not only football recruiting specifically we we do the west right and, and i was i was asked by someone like oh like you guys have a, a west coast specific recruiting so it's it's like a niche on top of a niche and and i'm like listen let's take a look here at the associated press top 10 right you look at georgia number one leapfrogging alabama who do they have they have the number one tight end in the country brock bowers from the west coast keely ringo who sealed the national championship last year also from the west got alabama at two coming back against Texas on the back of Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young, who also happens to be a West Coast product. Uh, and, and I can keep on going down the list, right? Ohio State with CJ Stroud, Michigan at number four, right behind them with Roman Wilson, a uh, Hawaii native, uh, breaking off explosive play after explosive play. Number five, Clemson quarterback DJ Uyangalele hooking up with Bo Collins. They were stars in California. Oklahoma quarterback Dylan Gabriel, he's from Hawaii. USC is number seven. I mean, the list goes on and on. Huh? Needless to say, I do think that, you know, despite this being a niche on top of a niche podcast, you know, we're doing the Lord's work here. 
Absolutely. I mean, even Texas losing yesterday, as tough as it is to keep Texas from being back, their defensive coordinator who dialed up a masterful game plan to, for the most part, shut down Bryce Young on that Alabama offense, Santa Barbara High School, Channel League alum like myself, Pete Kwiatkowski. I mean, the West Coast basically dominated football yesterday, if you ask me. Yeah. Our college teams... Over 100 yards, Ohio. Uh-huh. Keep going. Yeah, I was gonna say over 100 yards. Yeah, the the list goes on and on. We, I mean, this could be a four hour podcast if you wanted it to be. But yeah, I was a little. I was like, it, I I took a little jab there, and I'm like, okay, listen, listen, this is a necessary evil that we're doing here. But it's a lot of fun. We're gonna talk a uh, a bit about some recruiting buzz from the weekend, some big results, uh, a few commitments from the last week. We also have a performance of the week, and and it, it, I'm gonna tease it here. It's gonna be a co performance of the week for a couple standout recruits from the West Coast. But let's kick off, Huff, with a segment that we began last week with the one and only Greg Biggins. And I think it's going to be fun to continue doing this segment throughout the season. And, and we're going to call it, Are We Overreacting? Which we always do here on the show, as, as, you, as you know. Let's, let's begin with Oregon State. Can they be the conference sleeper because they just knocked off Fresno State, which has been knocking off Pac-12 school after Pac-12 school in recent years? You know... Kind of a sneaky pick. A lot of people, you know, the, the division's going away this year in the Pac-12. Maybe winning the Pac-12 North uh, is not going to be in the cards, but they could be that team. Remember, they get Oregon at home. They got to go to Washington, who's looking better, but they get Washington State at home. They get USC at home. They do have to go to Utah, but remember, the Utes' only conference loss a year ago in route to the Rose Bowl was at Oregon State. So Jonathan Smith last night, or uh, Saturday night, excuse me, playing with house money, going on the road, beating Jeff Tedford, beating the quarterback that he recruited to Washington, Jay Kaner, Blair. You know what's funny is that this is a program that's never going to make a killing on the recruiting trail, right? You look at what they've done over the last five years, counting this year. In 2019, 52nd nationally. In 2020, 53rd nationally. In 2021, outside the top 100, they didn't take a lot of commitments, but they weren't very active either. In 2022, the 54th recruiting class. This year, Huff, 55th in the country in terms of their composite team recruiting rankings. So this is a program who steadily is outside the top 50, hovering in that ballpark, but they are developing players. And we got to see what happened to that Washington offense when Jonathan Smith left, although they weren't lighting the world on fire in Seattle. I think it speaks to his level of development. And for all the credit we give schools like Utah and Boise State and Stanford and and those mid-tier programs on the West Coast, coast in terms of unearthing some hidden talents in uh, in terms of recruiting uh, i think we have to tip our cap also to the beavers and for what they're able to do once they get some of these prospects on campus one of the biggest things this offseason when people were talking about oregon state's recruiting efforts is how much oregon state hit the transfer portal, hit the JUCO portal, uh, when Jonathan Smith took over at Oregon State, taking over for Gary Anderson. And then this year, he signed just one junior college transfer, built that program to where it's at now, where he can start recruiting the high school kids. And Oregon State's got some name cachet, whether it's in the Northwest. They've done a great job in the state of Washington. They go down to Southern California and make some guys, uh, get some guys. They've been a destination for some transfers, but Jonathan Smith has fully put his stamp on that program. It started in year three when he beat Oregon uh, during the year that Oregon ended up winning the Pac-12. Last year, they you know go to their first bowl game in forever, I think since Mike Riley was there. 
And now they're looking like a, a pretty trendy team that could be a, a dark horse in the Pac-12. And that's what happens when you stay the course. Jonathan Smith showing that you can return to your alma mater and turn things around rather than implode it further to the tune of a $15 million buyout. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if we're overreacting here, but I do feel like Oregon State is on the up and up. And if you look at their commit list, I think we have to assess each and every one of those players now and, and evaluate them maybe a little closer uh, because the Beavers could be getting a steal whenever they, they do sign a prospect. Arizona, they fell in Tucson the first time in, in nearly 20 years since an SEC team had traveled to Southern Arizona to play the Wildcats. They fell to Mississippi State in what was a bit of a blowout, if 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 we're being honest. Was it a recruiting opportunity missed by Arizona, or are we overreacting? I, I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. I think part of it, you look at the end of that game, you had Noah Fafita getting in there and you know making some plays after Jaden Delora scuffled a bit. You had Tatori McMillan you know, making some catches in there. I think you know Jacob Cowing, the, the grad transfer that they got from UTEP, obviously had himself a big game, but I think it, it's too early to overreact. The fact that Arizona was in that game for a good chunk of the game kind of shows that Jed Fish is riding the ship compared to where it was. Obviously, they would have loved to have gotten the win, but that game was also so late at night. It makes you wonder how many people would have even been tuned up to watch it or were even tuned in to watch it that late. So I don't think it's, you know, it's a bad loss for them. Sure, they would have loved to have gotten that win, but I also think at the end of the day, there's a lot of positivities to what Arizona is doing to the fact that They've got to be encouraged by that game and that performance. Yeah, I think they had a really good list of recruits, including the number one pass rusher in the country in the 2024 class, Elijah Rushing from nearby South Point Catholic there in Tucson. Uh, Damon Williams was there, the four-star quarterback from 2024. A, a number of playmakers in the 2024 class as well. You know, you had a, a commit in Genesis Smith who was there as well. And, and so I, I think it was more... Let's see how much progress this program has made. And, you know, if not for some errors and, and some some self-imposed things there in that first half, I felt like, uh, you know, Arizona could have been a, a little bit closer there. So they have been taking some steps. Obviously, they went on the road in week one and beat San Diego State, which isn't easy. So there are some positives here. But yeah, I, I do feel like had they won this game, then we're talking about Arizona in a different light, right? Coming off a really good recruiting class in 2022, uh, doing what they've done under Jeff Fish in, in terms of their energy and and their activity and recruiting and the way they've built momentum on the trail. I think this was a, a really big weekend for them had they gone uh, a victory against an SEC school. Colorado, a loss to Air Force. And it makes me wonder, is the situation in Boulder salvageable? I mean, 30-plus point game to a service academy, with all due respect to Air Force, that's not a game that they should be beating a Pac-12 school by 30-plus points. We knew things were going to be tough in Colorado this year with a lot of those departures that they had, guys that transferred out. But I don't think anybody, unless people actually covered UCLA football during the era that Carl Durrell was there, like the two people that are on this podcast, could have ever seen this coming. Nope. I don't think it's salvageable. Nope, 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 nope. You know what's funny is, I remember in 2006, as I was getting ready to storm the field at the Rose Bowl after UCLA upset USC 13 and nine, and the mace was flowing in the air, the mist, as you as you, as you want to call it, 
because they weren't allowing students to to storm the field at the Rose Bowl. I guess it's mm. it's private property. But then you wondered, like, man, is Carl Durrell the guy, right? Like, is Carl Durrell going to be the guy that finally starts dethroning Pete Carroll year after year, right? Does he have the formula? Does he, you know, does he have some sort of secret equation where he can do that? And obviously things fell apart. The 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 wagon started to crumble. All the wheels started rolling away. He left for the NFL. You wondered when he came back to college, if he would change things up, right? Like had he gotten a bit more gray, had he learned some things in, in terms of building relationships and getting recruits. And, and it just hasn't happened. I just don't know if he has the connection with the in-state recruits. And I don't know if he has the energy or the drive from a recruiting standpoint to go out and win some of these battles. You know, that you look at the way they've recruited since he arrived there and 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 he took over, which which has been a bit of a rocky uh job there. Mel, Mel Tucker left after telling boosters and telling the administration that he was not going to take another job, kind of left them empty-handed in a way and snuck out the back door and really got a lot of people angry. And you wondered, okay, is Carl Durrell going to be the guy that can patch up a lot of the the issues here? And I, I think it's it's clear that it's not a project that's going to be the successful one. Now you wonder, okay, where does Colorado fit in the landscape of the Pac-12? Are they more suited for a Big 12 opportunity if that comes to fruition since the Big 12 is open for business? Uh, is Carl Durrell even the guy that can lead them in, in that or do they just need to kind of change things up? I think one of the things that obviously drew Colorado to Durrell was that he didn't look like he was going to be looking for a payday anyway. One thing that we've seen in recent years in college football is that you see coaches that, you know, have done things that are look to be unsalvageable. They salvage it. And then maybe they get fired a little too soon, whether it was Bo Pelini or Frank Solich at Nebraska. In retrospect, it makes you wonder, did Mike McIntyre get fired too soon? Now, a lot of Colorado fans will say, yeah, he made, maybe that one magical year he had in 2016 was too long. But it just doesn't feel like Colorado can get anything going right since they made the move to the Pac-12. And, you know, there aren't any obvious candidates either. That's the other problem. It's like if you if you fire Carl Durrell after this year, who is the next obvious candidate? Who is the Mountain West guy that takes the Pac-12 job. You know, there, there doesn't seem to be any. So it's almost like maybe you have to wait another year. Maybe you wait another year till you figure out what's going to happen with the Pac-12 conference or where Colorado ends up and maybe more money gets you a, a better opportunity to hire a bigger name coach. It just seems like Colorado probably has to eat it for another year with Darrell. The, the in-state recruiting still hasn't gotten any better. It just, it's one of those situations where you look back at his time at UCLA and in the, the five years he was at UCLA, his first year, he at UCLA, USC wins a co-national championship. His second year at UCLA, USC wins a national championship. His third year at UCLA, USC loses in a classic in the national championship game. His fourth and fifth years at UCLA, USC wins the Rose Bowl. So, okay, maybe you, you chalk it up to him being at UCLA at a time where USC had things going. And then in year one of the Colorado regime, you have the, the season, that the COVID season, where they're actually functional. They go to a bowl game. But that seems to be an outlier with the way that season played out. And it's just a matter of, for Colorado, how long we've seen more schools start to fire guys after two years, three years. Maybe they make that move. But the, the problem is, is 
who is the obvious replacement in Colorado if they make a move with Carl Durrell? And that makes me think they might need to wait another year before they move, make a move there. Yeah, it's a really proud fan base. And and if you've ever, never been to a game at Colorado, it's probably the, one of the better atmospheres, one of the better views, and also one of the better pregame traditions as Ralphie runs onto the field. And if you're a recruit and you're sitting in the stands, you wonder, okay, what's up? Why, why aren't they getting more guys? Uh, and I think that's just a program that needs to build some momentum, get 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 things going on the field, get a coach that can develop players, and really get the most out of that roster, and, and then we'll go from there, right? We'll see how much that is able to kind of relay into into recruiting success. We're going to take a short break, but you are listening to the West of the Rest podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love. You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. We are back, West of the Rest podcast, Blair Angulo with National Recruiting Editor at 24-7 Sports, Brandon Huffman. And before we get to our recruiting buzz and commitments from last week, Huff, I I wanted to take this time to shout out our producer, Lance, who was presented with a plaque last Friday. Huff, did you know about this? I I don't, I did not know about that. Lance was among the first 18,000 fans to walk through the gates at New Yankee Stadium on Friday. He was handed a Derek Jeter commemorative Hall of Fame plaque. It was it was a great moment for Lance. Nervy times for him. He's got Rutgers football and the Yankees. It's a bit of an overload, if you will. Lance, congratulations. I know he's listening to this and uh, he's applauding. Uh, big, big hat tip to uh, Lance. Is that the first win for a Yankee in like a couple of weeks? Yeah, no, it, it it definitely was. You know what's funny is that he uh he was so he was so happy to get this plaque, and I'm like I'm it, it got me to think. Okay, what's what's the best stadium giveaway that you can get? Right, like whenever I go to Dodger games or 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 I'm looking at potential places to go. I'm always looking, okay, what's the giveaway going to be, right? Like, am I going to get a bobblehead? Am I getting a hat? Am I getting like, you know, one of those player shirts, uh, a mini bat? You know, what 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 was your favorite stadium giveaway? Man, I got to say probably the Thunder Sticks I got at an Angels game once in 2002, right after the All-Star break. They played the Mariners, who at the time were coming off their magical 150 
win season where they didn't win the playoff uh, or go to the World Series because they don't have any World Series banners at Safeco Field or whatever. If phone company owns it now. But that year, we, we got the we got the Thundersticks, and the stadium just went nuts. And I am convinced that that weekend sweep of the Mariners was what propelled them to win their first world championship that year. It was something very simple, but I still have the Thundersticks sitting in my office. Front, they're not no longer inflated. The air has gone out. But the atmosphere it created, I remember Darren Nurstad comparing it to Nebraska, where you know his his former teammate just got a $15 million buy. Have we mentioned that yet? The atmosphere, Darren Nurstad said it reminded him of being in Nebraska games in the mid-90s. And something so simple turned out to be such a significant part of that Angels stretch run. So that that's probably the best because the other one is a, is a bobblehead of Ken Griffey Jr. sliding at home in the year of the slide. That was the same year the Angels blew a one-game playoff to the Mariners. So I felt like that was a personal attack. Yeah, that was definitely personal for you. Uh, I remember when I was little, they gave away a voucher to go turn into your local Los Angeles County library when when those existed and you would turn in the voucher and they would they would hand you a bat. I guess they couldn't hand out bats to everyone when you walked into the stadium, like actual wooden bats. I thought that was cool. I remember those. Uh, I remember we we played in the backyard with them and we didn't know how to hit with wooden bats. So we just had a bunch of broken wooden bats everywhere. We were just used to the aluminum. So congratulations, Lance. I just wanted to shout you out before we got going again. Uh, let's get to our recruiting buzz uh, of the weekend. Elite edge rusher Tausili Akana, the number one rated player in the state of Utah, was in Austin to see Texas and Alabama. It was interesting, Huff, because he played a game late Friday night, had to hop on a flight from Salt Lake City, a red eye to Atlanta and then from Atlanta to Austin to make it to Austin in time for kickoff. And then you wonder, okay, how is that going to affect the experience, right? Like this, this kid's going to be sleepy during during his official visit. But I, I'm sure you, you know, once you get to that stadium, once you get to see that atmosphere, you see Texas, Bama, a really close game. Texas defense specifically turning in a really good performance. It must have been a really good experience. I mean, it, it looked electric. It absolutely looked electric. I think you have to look at not the result for this, right? Like you, you. I don't know if I, I mentioned this with Mike Roach last week. I don't know if you expected Texas to to upset the number one team at the time, Alabama, and really, I guess, shock the college football world. You couldn't go into that game expecting that. All you wanted as a Texas loyalist or as a fan or or even as a, as a player who is considering Texas is just to show a little bit, right? Show that you are making progress. Show that you have the potential to get back. Show that you're able as a defense to stop a really potent offensive attack led by the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. So Tausili Akana got to see that, I think. I think the Texas Longhorns are now a considerable threat in his recruitment. He's got Oklahoma official visit. He's expected expected to make it out to Oregon or Tennessee. I know he wants to make it to LSU as well. This is a player who is looking to play his ball at an elite defensive school, and Texas now has a chance to do that. They really showed, I think, they they can put a playmaker like him in space and get after the quarterback. And I think when you look at that game, again, you, you never want to lose a game. Obviously, there's not games that in college football coach will say that they were glad that they lost. But you have to look at that game as a moral victory if you're Texas, largely because offensively, you know, you had some shots, you took some shots, they were working early, and then Quinn Ewers goes down. But defensively, you know, clearly last year that defense was lacking. And I, 
You and I have watched Pete Kukowski's defensive coordinating when he was at Boise State. You and I saw it at Washington. We know the D.C. he was, and it was just a matter of him getting that system. And what they did yesterday, or I'm sorry, what they did on Saturday in that game against a very good Alabama offense was probably the, the biggest takeaway from that game. So if you're a Texas fan, you have to be encouraged because you know offensively Steve Sarkeesian is going to be able to dial stuff up. But your big concern was can that defense – Hey, can that defense be able to hang against good offenses, against offenses where there's no clear, you know, matchup uh, advantage? And I thought that they did. So I, I think that the takeaway should be is Texas fans have been dreaming of a game like that in these last five, six, seven years. But more importantly, I think to see what the defensive performance was, granted, they did give up a, a losing field goal drive to Bryce Young. But that's the same Bryce Young who went down into Auburn last year and rescued Alabama, put it, which eventually put them in the national championship game. They lose that game to Auburn. They don't win the SEC. They don't win and play in the national championship game. And Bryce Young won himself a Heisman that day. So you know what a guy like that can do. But for 59 minutes, 58 minutes, Texas did a great job neutralizing him. And now if you're Tosselia Kana, that's the kind of performance you want to see from a defense that you could be a part of. And you and I both know these guys go to these games and they're thinking, man, they look like they're one player away and I might be that difference maker. That more than anything has to weigh, weigh heavily with Tassili and it has to be something that Texas has to take away as an encouragement. Yeah. So the number one rated player in the state of Utah was in Texas. A number of other highly rated prospects from the state of Utah were at BYU. They got to see the double overtime thriller against Baylor. Uh, a lot of key recruits in the stands. And I think it was important for BYU to show what could happen for them now headed into the Big 12. It was, it was a bit of a preview. It's uh, They're able to build some buzz and they're able to build some momentum. I think it's going to pay some dividends. Stanford also had a lot of key visitors. They, they dropped the game to USC, but I think they showed a lot also offensively bringing in some new zone read stuff. I think that's going to be an important week for David Shaw to point to recruits and say, hey, look, like we're still around. Like We're still going to be a team that, that can contend for things. So for all the recruiting reaction from both of those matchups, as well as every visitor that made it out to campuses this weekend, make sure you stay locked into 247sports.com. A couple of commitments, Huff, to run through before we go. Blake Purchase last week announced that he was committing to Oregon, a four-star edge rusher, the number one rated player in the state of Colorado. You got to see him in Las Vegas, where we actually both did. Uh, and we saw him, and, and I think we looked at each other we're like, oh, like that's not a finished product. Like mm -hmm. he's got a ton of upside physically, a lot of length, and another really good piece for Dan Lanning to build a defense around. It's their fifth number one player in this their respective state, too, that Oregon has gotten in this class with Dante Moore, uh, Caleb Presley, Tatum Toyoti from the state of Oregon, who is going to play there in Eugene, now with Blake Purchase. So that, that's one thing we've seen in recent years. Oregon has done such a great job. It, when you don't have a fertile recruiting base, you go into other states. And once again, they go into a Pac-12 state and get the top player in that state. And, you know, we, we loved what we saw. Oh, uh, King and Sadiq's the other one. They're one player in Idaho. Uh, but with, with Purchase, you see a guy who... You know, he still kind of has that that young baby face look to him, you know, with a year or two of development, 
and physical training with that size, that length off the edge, you know, Dan Land is going to be licking his chops with what he can do to turn him loose. Yeah. And we mentioned BYU hosting a lot of visitors. One of them was Siale Sarah from Tintview down the street in Provo. And uh, he actually announced his commitment on the field during pregame warmups to the BYU Cougars. So they get another edge rusher in that defense. I think it's their seventh in-state prospect that is committed to the Cougars in this 2023 class as Kalani Sataki adds some guys. Uh, recruit performance of the week, Huff. And we got a co-winner this week. Rod, lightning rod of talent. Just two rods. Okay, two so rods. we've got a rods. so we've got a big back in four star running back Roderick Robinson, UCLA commit, rushed for four hundred and sixty nine yards and eight touchdowns. That's that's eight. One, two, three, four, five, six. As in eight clap eight. Uh, and that was a little ode there to to the Bruins. And then Roderick Pleasant had two interceptions against five star quarterback Nico Iamaleava and a huge win for Sarah against Warren. So the two rods share the recruit performance of the week. I would. W- What's more important to you, uh, the defensive performance that Roderick Pleasant had or the eight touchdowns and over 460 yards of rushing? I mean, you've got to go with the workhorse back. That's hard to, to ignore. What makes Pleasant's game obviously so intriguing was it was against his former seven-on-seven teammate, Nico Yamaliava, one of the premier quarterbacks in the country. But Roger Robinson did it against a defending state champion. You know, Lincoln and modern-day Catholic have had a nice little rivalry, at least on social media, for the last year and a half, uh, two years. So that had to have been a a sweet victory there for him. You know, obviously, it's a a big game in San Diego. Uh, Modern-day Catholic's not skirting anybody. They're not not, uh, afraid to schedule anybody, but they've gotten off to a little bit of a rough start as a result of that. But... I mean, how do you stop a, a an engine like Roger Robinson? So when you put up those kind of numbers, you're taking on that kind of workload. It's hard to ignore that. But, you know, Roger Pleasant definitely getting over on his former seven-on-seven teammate. I'm an offensive guy. Even though I, I always tend to say, hey, guys, should go play defense. I'm an offensive guy first, and I played in the running offense. I played in the beer. Give me the back who went ham like he did. He So he's supposed to take an official visit to Texas A&M this coming weekend, and I'm sure that doesn't have as much maybe buzz as it used to, right? Having seen A&M lose this past weekend, but he's also considering Georgia, and I think that's the one that should really scare UCLA fans if they could potentially lose their number one rated commit, only six commitments in this class. So if you lose one of six you're, and you're losing the top one, I mean, that's that's a huge hit that UCLA would take. But, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if any other programs start to make a strong push, because once you hear 469 rushing yards and eight touchdowns, I mean, that, that it, you turn into a viral recruit at that point. That, uh, and, you know, that helps. That helps when it, it comes to the... What's the game we're playing these days? The the NAL game, the the the, the branding game, the, branding the marketing game. game. That, that was the word I was looking for. The, the branding game. You you do things like that. You're you're the one that Max Preps is featuring all week on their social media. You're the one twenty four seven in sports is highlighting all week, and that makes your brand awareness that much bigger. You know, it, it's funny because you're you're talking about you know two guys right here that you'll have branding opportunities. One just might have it in multiple sports. And, but, but that it's just one of those type of performances that, that kind of, we look forward to those during senior years. You know, we see these guys so much that the elite guys, the big name guys, the, the, the guys that we talk about all the time that 
everybody wants to hear about. We, we know those guys. It's when kind of the guys that are a little bit over overlooked, not overlooked by recruiters, by, by, by coaches, by, by ranking, but maybe the general public, when they start doing performances like that and having performances like that, their branding, their brand awareness, their virility, if that's how you pronounce it, all of that just jumps up a billion levels. Yeah, Roderick Robinson, Roderick Pleasant, they share the recruit performance of the week. We are taking this show on the road next week. It's something we're going to try to do at least once a season. That's that's meet up, me and you, Huff, in person. One Michigan State, Washington, Saturday, Husky Stadium. They're calling it a purple out. I have an issue because I don't think I own any purple. I have a Lakers shirt somewhere that I'll wear, but I'll wear what I always wear to every college football game. I got an Avery Strong shirt that I will be be sporting. You and I will be stopping by Georgetown Brewing Company en route to Husky Stadium because a week later, the mayor of IPA, which benefits the Avery Huffman Foundation, will be, be releasing. So, you know what? We don't need a purple out when we get the hazy. Jimi Hendrix, who's a Seattle native, he had a great song called Purple Haze. The only haze that matters next Saturday, Blair, is the hazy in them IPAs we will be imbibing in. And we will talk about our time in Seattle next week. Remember, if you like the show, please give us those five stars. For Brandon Huff and our producer, Lance Glenn, I am Blair Angulo. Thanks for listening to this edition of the West of the Rest podcast. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.